0: If your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter one. We're going to continue our series in the book of Romans. We're going to look at chapter, chapter one, verse eight through seventeen this morning. Eight through seventeen. We know some things about the apostle Paul already. We know that Paul is writing the saints of Rome. We know that those saints of Rome that they arrived in Rome because of the day of Pentecost, and we were able to show you that in Acts chapter two where they went back and we found out that there was some there the day of Pentecost from Rome that went back into Rome. And Paul, his desire is stemmed out of this, is that he knows that something powerful happened the day of Pentecost. And we can go back and we can read the account of Peter's uh, preaching, that first sermon that Peter preached in a powerful way with conviction, and how so many came to Christ that day and days after But Paul's feelings and his desire was to go there and lay it all out for them. To let them show, be able to see what what Jesus was in the Old Testament. How He was throughout the Old Testament. What the law was supposed to do and what the law did and what Jesus did. To show them and talk about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. There was just so many things that were... Left unsaid that they didn't know or weren't aware of and it was Paul's desire to get there. To be able to, uh, we're gonna to see to encourage these saints to come alongside of them, but God had not allowed it yet. And so we're gonna read verses 8 through 17. Paul says this, First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness who I'm sure who I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that witness whom I serve my spirit, the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you, that is, that we may Be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. In order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles, I am under obligation to both, to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I'm eager to preach the Gospel to you also who are in Rome. And in verse 16 it says this, For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it is in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteousness shall live by faith. And we're going to take some time this morning. We're going to look at those last two verses. But I want to work our way through this, starting with verse 8. We see, the Apostle Paul says this, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in the world. And I want you to remember the world at that time, because they were in what was considered the middle of the world, in Rome. At this time, you've got to remember that Rome had conquered pretty much most of the world at this point. They ruled everyone. And so we see Paul saying here, I thank Jesus Christ because of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I love how he starts off by thanking God for them. It is said that thankfulness is the first mark of true spiritual service. I want you to think about that. Without being thankful, where do you find yourself? In a situation. Without being thankful, can you even go forth doing the work of God? I think it's impossible. I see some of you shaking your head no. And I truly believe that you can't. And I love how the Apostle Paul here brings that out. And again, we're going to look at several spiritual marks of true spiritual service. And this is one of them, to be able to serve God and the way that He is pleased, the way that He's glorified, we have to be thankful. Listen, we should never enter into serving or or doing what God has called us to in a begrudging type of matter. You know, I think of today. I think of this last week. You know, last week we had a discussion with the whole praise team, and it was like, if we find out, um, so-and-so's not going to be here, so-and-so's going to not be here, so-and-so's not going to be here, and we're doing this all through text messages, and they know my heart. They knew I was just joking, but I said, okay, you bunch of losers, but they knew I was just joking. My attitude this morning when we came in here, you can ask Jeremy, was, in no way, I'll uh, be grudging anyone because they weren't here. I hope that they have a great time away. I hope that they enjoy themselves and enjoy their families. We have to be those that are thankful. The Apostle Paul is thanking God for these people that he had never met, but he knew that they were in the family of God. He also says this about them. Because your faith is proclaimed, In all the world, that's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. Paul saying that. You know, I think about during the time that this is being written here, they're actually under this emperor Claudius, and Claudius at this time, when this, when Romans was being written, he is expelling Jews out of Rome because he believes that there's trouble. They're 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 nothing but a big problem to him. In fact, they're at this time, they are killing them. They are also using them in Colosseums. They are uh, hanging them on crosses. He's doing whatever He can to get them out of Rome because He has seen the effects of the what they called in that day the people of the way. I often think, and I was thinking about this as I was writing this, what would Apostle Paul say about Momentum Christian Church? He was writing us a letter. Did he thank us for our faithfulness? Did he thank us for preserving the Word of God, not only preserving it but living it out? Think about this. You know, so often we don't think about affecting the world, but this last week was an encouraging week for me because I know this, that I was contacted by a pastor that is 2,000 miles away in another country. He said, hey, I've watched your sermons, and boy, I'd like to get to know you. Now, sometimes you got to be careful because they want to know you because hopefully you'll give something to them, but I didn't detect that. And then Bob McCoy got a hold of me this week, and he said, there's a pastor up in Wisconsin that wants to preach a series on scripture that's taken out of context and and he ran into this pastor telling me from Washington Township, Michigan who had just done a series that had blessed him so much Bob was able to tell him that's my best friend Dave and um I'll get you connected to him We don't know how we can affect the world today through so the different internet interview uh highways that we have the internet um I think of just how quick things can go around the world. You've heard me say here often, how about your world? How about the world that you're living in? What would the Apostle Paul say if he was writing you a letter? Would he say, "Uh, I'm so grateful that your faith is proclaimed in your neighborhood, in your place of work? How about your home? I think about this day, and the day of Rome, because see, Many of you that know history, Rome is eventually going to collapse upon itself. How many realize that Rome wasn't overtaken by another big country or landmass, but it was actually they fell in amongst themselves that they crumbled within. And it was because of the sin and the lust and lust of the flesh. And this is the time that Paul is writing to these saints and he's saying to them, I am so thankful that you are proclaiming your faith. I'm so grateful that you are being salt and light. I was thinking about that. You know, Jesus tells us that we need to be salt and light. He shares with us a few parables that actually mentions those things. He says we're to be a city on a hill for people to see. And we're supposed to be that bright. He tells us that we're to, again, be salt. And I think a lot of times, you know, I've heard that message about salt, but I can't see where it's backed up. We know that there's a taste of salt, but in that day, salt was so precious to them for preserving that very seldom do they use it at the table like we use it. Last night, me and Missy had sweet corn, and I like salt after I butter my corn. It's just not right not to have it on there, right? And, and, and we love salt for taste. We don't very, use it very seldom for preserving things unless you're canning, unless you're making smoked meats or something like that because we have freezers, we have refrigerators to be able to keep meat a lot longer. And I think about that idea of preserving. And, and I couldn't help but think of this time in Rome and to think about where our country is today. Does it seem to you that we have been in a little bit of darkness? That lust of the flesh and sin is abounding? I don't know how you could not see that or recognize that. But how many of you know that your mission does not change? God has called us to be light. He's called us to preserve through tough times. And it's amazing to me that the church, like I said, the church in China, the reason why they're abounding right now and they're growing so fast is because of persecution. We know what the Word says. We know that one day things are going to get darker. We know that the godly principles that this country was founded on are eventually going to go away. We know that eventually, because the Bible tells us that our country, as we know it, will eventually collapse like Rome did upon itself. But I know one thing that it won't be affected is the Church of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus says that the gates of hell or in the King James it says the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I like that term Hades because that actually refers to death. Not even death itself will stop the church of Jesus Christ. You say Some of you say, well, man, there's craziness going on in the church. Listen, there always has been craziness going on in the church. There always has been false teachers. There's always been things that have socially been adopted by the church. But let me tell you something that the church will not fail. There will always be a remnant of God's people that are true and faithful. And that's just not here in this country, but it's worldwide. What would the Apostle Paul write about our church? I've had to ask myself that question several times this past week. And then I see something else. I see Apostle Paul actually having this response of thankfulness because these believers are having victory and God is using them where they're at, even though they're being expelled and tortured. How do we react when a brother and sister in Christ wins? Or God's using them in a mighty way? Do we applaud that? Are we indifferent towards it? Why do good things always happen to them? Why doesn't that happen to me? The Apostle Paul is thankful. Grateful. Again, like I said, what Apostle Paul means here is proclaimed in all the world. Is Again, Rome was the center of the world at this time. And he says this in verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you. I I want to look at this phrase here in verse 9. It says, Whom I serve with my spirit. Whom I serve with my spirit. The second mark of a true spiritual service is a spirit that's concerned. And I brought this up in last week's message to the Apostle Paul when he went into Athens. It said that his spirit was provoked because of all the gods, over 30,000 of them, in Athens. It says that his spirit was provoked. And we see here, again, Paul bringing out the fact, whom I serve with my spirit. This word here in the Greek is latitriou which means to worship, to do service, serve with my spirits. And I think about this, Paul was a person that he served God completely. He was completely unreserved, completely committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. He served God with everything. And that kept on coming back to me as this, Dave, are you serving God this way? And my question is to you today, are you serving God that way? Are you serving God unreserved? Are you fully committed to Him? Because that is where you will find true happiness. You won't find it anywhere else. You see this, Paul, and I'm jumping ahead just a little bit here. In Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is how Paul lived out his life. He became a living sacrifice. We've often heard it say, the bad thing about a living sacrifice is this, is we're constantly crawling off the altar. If you think of sacrifice in the Old Testament, and the ultimate and perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it meant letting forth the blood to cover sins. We know because we've looked at those verses in this series already that we are crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I had to ask myself this week, am I a living sacrifice? Am I a living sacrifice? And we see in verse 2 here in Romans 12, he says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What renews our mind? The Word of God and the Word of God alone is the only thing that will renew your mind. Church, it's so important in the days that we're living in. If you don't want to be conformed to this world, that we're in the Word of God. It's so easy to be conformed to the world that's around us, isn't it? We often have heard it said as the frog effect. If you take a frog and you put him in a bottle, or a pot of cold water and you put it on a stove and you start boiling that, that he won't even know that eventually he's going to die. He just gets used to the temperature increasing. This is a huge issue in the church today. We believe that we have to conform to the world to be able to reach those for Jesus Christ. Church, let me tell you something. That's a lie. There's only one thing that reaches hearts of men, and it's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that He is here to convict us of our sin and our Righteousness or self-righteousness. That is what brings us to Jesus Christ. I have to ask myself, am I conforming to this world to share a message that doesn't conform? Am I conforming to this world to share a message that does not conform? That has not changed? You see here, he continues on and says this. In the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you. I think again, this is a, another true mark of spiritual service. It's being able to pray for those continuously. I, I know what this is like to pray without ceasing. I can assure you that every day, every one of you I prayed for. I see your faces. Every morning I take time and I pray for each and every one of you. And I pray certain things, whether there's situations that are going on. Tomorrow morning I'll pray again for strength for Linda that she can come out of the hospital. I, I think of... Uh, the things that I pray for this congregation is that You go forth. And it doesn't matter if you're here only four or one time out of a month. I, I still know who comes here, who attends here. I see the children's faces and I pray for each and every one of them. And I pray for wisdom. I pray for discernment. I pray for strength. I pray for courage. I pray that we live out lives Jesus Christ. I know what Paul is saying here when he says to them, I'm praying for you. And without ceasing, I mention you. This is a mark of true spiritual service, is when we pray for others and we pray without ceasing. You know, Paul here mentions, he says this, I serve with My Spirit in the Gospel of the Son. What is this Gospel that Paul is talking about? And it does affect service. Our understanding of the Gospel. If I were to ask you this morning, what is the Gospel? I'm pretty sure that I could get several different answers. Our opinions, we could sit here all day long and we could give our opinions of what the gospel is. And some of it might be right, but some of it might not be right. But I'm thinking about what is Paul, since he's using it here, uh, this idea of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or the gospel of the Son, what is the gospel? If I were to ask you this morning, and, and now everybody's going to be timid and not wanting to, to... What is the gospel? What does the word gospel mean? Good news, you're right. Good news. But the Apostle Paul defines this for us. What is the good news? What is the gospel? Because I think we need to understand that. We need to understand it clearly. And who buys anyone better than the Apostle Paul to show us what the gospel truly is. He gives us a powerful definition in First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15 if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there. We're going to look at verses 1-4. You might want to circle this so you understand what the Gospel, what the good news truly is. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, it says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the Gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe it in vain. For I deliver to you, as of the first importance, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. You see it? This is no different than the good news that Jesus shared with those on Emmaus Road. Throughout the writings of Paul, as you will see, this is the gospel that he is preaching. And it's historical. It's something that really happened. But Paul also makes it clear that it's free for everyone. That it's free for everyone. And we're going to see that. A little bit later on in those ending verses here. But this is the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according with the scriptures. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scripture. And, and, and I love how Paul's bringing this out. According to scripture. According to scripture. And what he's saying is this. The prophecies that have been spoken are fulfilled. That's good news, he's saying. He's saying this, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And he says it again, according to Scripture, because it was prophesied that there was going to be a perfect sacrifice that would atone for our sins, and there wouldn't have to be any more sacrifice. Can you imagine this message in the day being preached to those Jewish people? Because it said in our text that He he reaches out to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. Can you imagine them being under the yoke of the law and hearing this? This would have been great news. It would have been awesome news. And it says this as we continue in the text. It says, Asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. Not only did Paul pray for the spiritual well-being of the Roman saints, but he was so eager to be with them. I understand this feeling also. As a church, you and I, we are supporting the leper church in India. We've had relationship now with Pastor Zeal and the lepers over there for probably about two and a half years. <coughs> you know what? My heart longs to go visit them. I pray for him every day. He just sent a message last night saying, we thank God for you and Momentum Christian Church Pastor Dave. If it was not for you and Momentum Christian Church, our lepers would have never made it through the coronavirus. But because of nutrition that you now providing monthly, we have not lost any lepers to the coronavirus. Amen. Yeah. He is so grateful and thankful. And all glory goes to God, right? Because truly it's God that gives us the ability to be able to give out of this place. And He gives you the ability to give to the mission of this church. But I understand what the Apostle Paul is saying here. This is why, and I believe you do also, don't you love seeing pictures from the Leopard Church? Because it connects you with them. And everybody's telling me, listen, this is the last place that a heavy, overweight guy wants to go is India. It's hot. It's smelly. Do you really want to go there? And my heart is, yes, as soon as it's possible, I want to go visit Pastor Zeal. I want to go visit the people in the leper church where nobody in that society cares for them. They're not even a class of people. But there are brothers and sisters in Christ who have been born again, who have given themselves to service. It breaks my heart. There's times that they fast a week praying for you. Praying for each person in this church. And they don't even see your faces. But they know that God does. It humbles me so much when I hear that. And it happens often. I could imagine what Paul was saying here. You know, many believers are willing to give money and that's a a good thing. They're willing to give it to a mission. And the reason why they do this is because partly we're afraid to witness or speak or share our faith with others. I think of other things that we can be involved in. How many know that there's many homeless missions? And I know a lot of these things have been closed down over the past year. But listen, you can avail yourself to give service to things like this. For years, I went into the prisons every week. And Missy was just as much as a part of that because when I wasn't home, she was at home taking care of things. But I would go preach in the prisons, and I did that from age 19 on. It wasn't a burden. It was something that my heart was meant to do. Paul, he says here, is requested from God a long time to take this trip to Rome. But Paul also understood that it was not the Spirit's time yet. Sometimes we can have longings and it might not be in God's timing or His will exactly yet. I've been wanting to go to India for the past year, but it just isn't possible right now. But is it stopping me in my mission? Is it stopping me from doing what God's called me to? No. And it shouldn't. You know, we see Paul understood this. And we've seen this in our class here on Wednesday night. In sixteen. Acts 16, we see... This this same thing come up where, and I'm just going to paraphrase this where Paul he, he wants to go to to Asia, but you know the Spirit does not allow him. It says this in verse seven of Acts 16. And when they came to Mysa, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by, they went to Mysa and they went down to Troas. And we see them here. We see the Apostle Paul that when it seemed like a roadblock was put up in front of him, we didn't see him go and pout. We didn't see him uh, say, oh man, I can't believe I can't go to Asia. That's where I want to go and there's nothing else I can do. But that's not what he does. Instead, he goes in another direction. Sometimes God's will... In our will, the timing is not right. How many know that God's timing is perfect? We should not be like the Apostle Paul. Or we should be like the Apostle Paul. When a door closes, look for a window. Look for an avenue to another way to glorify God. In verse 11 it says this, For I long to you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. Another mark of spiritual service is serving out of love. Paul wanted to go visit the saints of Rome to serve them in a loving way in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul always had a mindset to do service out of love, and so should we. The Bible says that without love we're bankrupt. Without love we're bankrupt. I think about First Thessalonians chapter two, and I'm going to read this real quick. Uh, it gives us a great example here of the Apostle Paul in First Thessalonians two seven through nine. It says this: "But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So be affectionately." Nazirius, of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Service out of love gives everything. It shares everything. It gives ourselves. And sometimes it puts us at risk. The world today will tell you this, and most counselors will tell you, don't put yourself at risk. Oh, you might not want to get close to those people. They might hurt you. Apostle Paul understood that when he went in the cities and were stoned, and at one point, almost stoned to death to the point of being delirious. Each one of the disciples understood it because they gave their lives for the gospel for love. The people that hated them. How many know who Elizabeth Elliott is? You see a lot of quotes, but I've found a lot of people don't know who Elizabeth Elliot is. Her husband, Jim Elliot, gave his life on a beach in the rainforest. Because he was loving natives. That ended up spearing him to death. Great movie, End of the Spear, if you get a chance to watch it. Powerful. But what happened is out of love, the whole tribe gave their lives to Christ and are still serving Him today. Are you willing to love those that don't love you? The Apostle Paul was. Remember, he doesn't know any of these people in Rome. You know, it is, it is the Apostle Paul, he understood this, that again, that he was called to love people no matter what. In in, in verse 9 it says this in First Thessalonians 2, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day, and we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the Gospel of God. This is true. Selfless love. How many know sometimes loving people it's it can feel like toil, it can feel like work. It can wear you out. It can bring accusations. It can bring pain pain, disappointment were called to love. And the Apostle Paul understood it. In verse 12, he says this, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And I think about what he's saying here. First, he says, I want to impart some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. But then he says this, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. You know, I think about this idea of sharing spiritual, the the spiritual gifts. Or what he says here, he says, impart to you some spiritual gifts. This is why it's so important that we attend church. Each one of you have been given gifts, spiritual gifts. Some of you have giftings that I don't. And I need your gift. And you need my gift. This is what makes the body strong. This is what makes the local church body strong. When people are gone, there's things that aren't being held up. Things that get weak because their gifting is not here. It's not evident. I'll, I'll say this. Listen, it's... If you're at home still, it's time to come back to church. I, I am, listen, I know again, please, I had COVID back in November and I had it pretty rough. It was a real thing, but the survival rate is 90, was 99.6, wasn't it? 99.6. And now they're talking about this new variant. And I've seen it's like, is it 99.8? Uh, your chance of surviving that one? I feel like I have better odds surviving that than driving down 26 mile road.
1: You know what I mean?
0: Anybody that drives that road. I risk my life every time I drive down it. Listen, if you're sitting at home, we need your gifts. Here at the church. You're missed. This body has been weakened. We need your gifts. We need you back to church. He says here that in verse 12, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Whenever we serve out of true love and devotion, to Jesus Christ, we will always be an encouragement. We need each other. Every time my prayer is, every time I walk into these doors, my prayer is that somehow I can serve you and encourage you. Whether it's using my giftings or speaking to you one-on-one or praying with you. How many of you know that when I come here too, I'm encouraged. I need encouragement also. Last week we had testimonies and I hate to, but I was encouraged by your testimonies. You know Ben Ben, I'm just gonna I hope you, this is not embarrassment, but, but but the thing is Ben encouraged me last week when we took testimonies. You know what Ben said? Ben a day trader. For a couple years, but God is speaking to me to actually get out and get into the labor force to glorify Him, to be able to share the gospel with those people that I might be working with on a cement crew. That encouraged me. Because I've been preaching that about affecting your world where you're at was Ben didn't say, oh, I can't wait to work concrete so my muscles get bigger. I can't wait to work concrete in a hundred degree weather and get sunburned and have sore joints and, and have my feet burned because my boots leaked and the lie got on my feet. <laughs> but it was to glorify God to be able to share. And I left here last week singing all the way home. Praise God. Let Ben see the opportunities that are in front of him. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged when you someone comes up to me and says, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Pastor, that was a good message. And I usually I say, give all glory to God because it's His Word. But I did spend a lot of time and study to make sure that I was bringing it forth faithfully. Or, you know what really encourages me is when somebody says... I'm I'm seeing Jesus in a whole different light. I'm reading the Word like I never have before. I'm encouraged, and this is what Paul's saying here. I've got some things to encourage you, but you're going to encourage me also. There's some some Wednesday nights that I drag myself in here. I'm just exhausted from working a long day, and I drag myself in. You know what? By the end of the night, I'm fired up. I've been encouraged. Or I'll have a counseling session, and I see God at work, even in pain, and I'll leave, and I'll say, God, I know you're going to have a breakthrough. God, I know you're going to do what you're planning on doing or I see a breakthrough and I praise God. I'm encouraged because I see His Word at work. And this is what Paul is saying. That we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. This is why testimonies are so important. And I don't understand why I mean, for a time here, we kind of slowed them down. But I'm like, man, I need we need testimonies every other week. Because I need to hear what God's doing in your life. And you need to hear what God is doing in my life. It's not small things. It's big things. We see in verse 13, the Apostle Paul says this, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have intended to come to you, but thus... Far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. This is another pivotal mark of servant leadership. Paul's whole ministry was about bearing fruit. It was about bearing fruit. It was all about seeing growth in others. It was seeing their spiritual fruit. In the world that we live in today, church growth is what everybody measures everything by. It's not how I measure things. I measure things by spiritual growth. I measure things by by spiritual fruit, uh, and life changes and changing. Again, I'm I'm not against big churches, but I, I I let me just say this: that how much personal growth can take place. I know people that have been attending churches for years and never even met the pastor, the under shepherd that God has given them. I don't. I just don't quite understand that. How that. How that happens. How do we judge the fruit in our lives? Is it where roots are growing deep? I think about this. He says, "In order that I may reap some harvest among you, as as well as among the rest of the Gentiles." How many know that? And and I'm I'm learning this. How many know that it's, it's good, especially in fruit trees, to prune them? To clip them? How many know that that's good for our own life? To have things cut out of us? Even though it's painful. Listen, I've never went out to my apple trees and went to go prune it and had it go, ow! Stop! We have a little apple orchard in our yard and I should have pruned in April, and I just got so busy and I didn't. And my one tree that has bared so many apples the years in the past now has just gotten overgrown. And, and one thing I've noticed this year is this. It seems like the apples are really small compared to other years. We have a piece of property that Bob and I have been mutually connected to for some time. And that was a couple of years ago. Bob went in there and... Without anybody being there. And he pruned the apple tree in front of this property. And when I got there, I was like, oh my gosh, I think he killed it. And I didn't share my frustration with you. We cleaned that up and it was like all these branches were everywhere. It's was like, man, what, he destroyed these trees. But you know what? This year it's got a lot of apples. This year they're going to be big apples. It's all because things and pruning that took place in that tree, those things that were maybe causing it not to or sucking life out of it. What are those things in our lives that are sucking life out of you? Causing you not to do the will of God. Addictions do that. Whether it's the addiction to your smartphone, to pornography, to alcohol, on and on and on. Addictions... Rob from us. How about relationships that have got you so bound? How about unforgiveness? All those things suck the life out of us. But the Apostle Paul was so interested in spiritual fruits. And I thought to myself, the only way that we can understand this is actually look at the spirit of the, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. And in Galatians 5 verses 22 through 23, I'm just going to read it to you what the fruit of the spirit is. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. As I look at that list, I say to myself, hmm, through the Spirit is love. How many need help in that? That you need to love better? Me. How about joy? I could do better in the category of joy. How about peace? Mm, yeah, yeah, I'm in. Patience. Definitely me. How about kindness and goodness and faithfulness? How about gentleness? Are you gentle with people? Are you abrupt and rough? How about self-control? These are the things that I want to see developed in my life. These are the things that I want to see other things cut out of that I might develop through the power of the Holy Spirit. These things that are from Him, the fruit. The Apostle Paul understood this. And his heart was to See spiritual fruit bloom in those that were in Rome, but also to use their gifting and see and be blessed by their gifting and be able to use his gifting to them. And in verse 14, it says this, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and the barbarians. Now, let me just understand. Or let me give you some understanding here, because often we see that term barbarians. We see it a couple of times. But the Greeks there, how many, if you know history, the Romans actually conquered the Greeks, right? Especially where Rome was. That was at one time an ancient Grecian area there. And and there was still a lot of that tradition. A lot of those people were still there, even though years and years had went by. And so when Paul talks about the Greeks, he's talking about those that are educated. And the barbarians are simply Gentiles. It's the Gentiles. Those that aren't educated. Those that don't know that much. Those that were servants. more Those that were slaves. So he says, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians. Both to the wise and to the foolish. You see this spectrum here? He's making it clear. The wise Greeks and then the barbarians that people see as foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome you saying not only to these class but i want to preach the gospel to everyone I and mean, that's a pretty good gamut there from foolish to wise and and greeks to barbarians <coughs> the word i really want to lock on here is this word obligation Obligation here simply means this, one who owes a debt. And I was thinking about this. Are we obligated? Do we have obligations? How many of you have a car out there and a car payment? You are obligated to a bank or to a dealership, right? you purchased a vehicle and they've given you this vehicle and you are obligated to make that car payment every month. How many are obligated because of your mortgage? You have a mortgage under a bank and you are obligated to them because they had loaned you money to pay that money back with interest. How about when you go to work? Is your employer obligated to give you a paycheck on Friday? Absolutely. Because you have put in your work, and, and they owe you and they, a debt, and they're obligated to you. And Paul is saying this, that he is obligated to everyone, to barbarians, to the Greeks, to those that are wise and to those that are foolish. And not only is he obligated to them, but he is eager to preach to them, he says. Now, Paul's obligation was different, because sometimes we can feel obligation uh, when somebody comes over and they help me cut down a tree, right? And, and they didn't owe you nothing, but what do we often say? Hey, I owe you. But Paul, his obligation was because of what Christ had done for him. The people in Rome, he had not even met. And he's saying this, I'm obligated to you because of the debt that was paid on the behalf of myself that I couldn't pay that Jesus Christ did. And this should be the place that each and every one of us are at. That we're obligated because of what Christ has done for us. We did not deserve it. it. We did not earn it. But it was freely given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God showed us favor. He allowed us to experience The gospel. So should we not be obligated to everyone that we encounter? The apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16. For I preach, for if I preach the gospel that gives me no grounds for boasting, For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the Gospel. He was so eager to preach the Gospel because he understood that there was a big responsibility put on his shoulders. And that if he didn't, his own words is, Woe to me if I don't preach it. You know, I'm just going to say this, church. When you get to heaven, you are not going to say things like this. I wish I would have went to the RV one more time. I wish I would have went deer hunting one more time. I wish I would have went fishing one more time. Oh, man, I wish I would have went on vacation one more time. I wish I would have done this and that. And this and that one more time. Listen, all those things are good things. You can glorify God in going on vacation. But what I've noticed is this. When did vacation become a whole summer long thing? Because for some people it does. It's all summer long now. Every weekend they're gone. They're disconnected and we become weak because they're not here They're not using their spiritual gifting. I remember vacationing always being a week. Listen, we're going on vacation for a week. We are so looking forward to it because we need rest. Our chill all all, all our kids, are going to be there. It's going to be such a blessing. I'm so this is more exciting than Christmas to me. I get to spend a whole week with my kids. And their husbands, well, now my sons. I'm so looking forward to it. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to glorify God the whole week. I'm going to be thankful that my daughter from California now, who's home, is going to be there. And I haven't seen her in a long time, been able to spend time with her. I'm going to be so thankful to be there. These things are not bad if we glorify God and we don't place them in front of God. It's when you place those things in front of God. And I've been there, church. Like I said, I I used to be the bow hunter. That was If bow season was 90 days, I was out 89. And the one day that I wasn't out, it was because Missy's birthday was October 14th. And I knew that the door would probably be locked if I went out. But man, I was the guy that would go out every night. When I get to heaven, you know what? I'm not going to stand there and say, I wish I would have had one more night of bow hunting. No. I think I'm going to be saying things like this. I wish I would have shared Jesus Christ more. I wish I would have walked out my calling in a worthy manner. I wish I would have seen the opportunities that were presented to me. The Apostle Paul was all in. He was all in. Listen, please don't leave here and say, Pastor Dave says we can't go on vacation. No, that's not what I'm saying. When that becomes bigger than God, then any event or any sporting thing that you're involved in gets bigger than God. There lies the problem. The Apostle Paul understood this to the point that he said, woe to me if I do not preach the Gospel. Who's God called to share the Gospel today? Us. Each and every one of us. I don't know about you. I want to be one that's been found faithful. One that can say, I am so grateful and I am so honored to be able to share the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 16, it says this, For I'm not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Now, remember, I gave you, and Paul gave you the definition of the Gospel. What was it? The good news, but how was it good news? It was a historical event, right? Jesus Christ being crucified, being raised from the dead, ascending into heaven and dying for our sins. That is the good news. And what Paul is saying is, I'm not ashamed of this. Because you've got to understand, Paul, he was a Pharisee. He was, he was neck deep into religion and the religious system. He understood what it was like. In fact, in this study, we're going to see and get to a point where Paul says, as people are comparing themselves and saying, I'm a good person, he's going to say, listen, there's none of you that were as good as me. I kept the law." Now think about this, this good news, this gospel had what? It had taken them out of the law and put them into a new covenant, out of the old covenant and new covenant, and took all those legalistic laws off of them, where Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Try me on, Jesus says. So this is why Paul's not ashamed of it. He's saying, listen, let me tell you about the burden that you're carrying. I'm not ashamed of it. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, He takes all your burdens. You no longer have to sacrifice for sin. You don't have to get to heaven and wonder if you're good enough. Because He is good. This is why Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. Do you see it? No longer. You don't have to keep the law. It's not the power of salvation, but Jesus Christ is. You can go out on the Sabbath. You can do this and that. You no longer have to worry about this because Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law. This is good, He's saying. I'm not ashamed of it. Who is it open to? Everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. In verse 17, he says this, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed, faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Listen, this is the key to the whole book of Romans right here. Everything from this point will be built off of these two verses that the Apostle Paul brings out. We're going to go back to this time and time again. I hope today that you're thinking a little bit different about this first verse, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation. To everyone that believes it. How often do we share Jesus Christ with somebody this way? Oh, Jesus Christ, you'll make your life, you'll make your life feel, you'll, you'll be better. If you follow Jesus, you'll be blessed. You know, we pull into the theater and we get the spot right up front. Blessed. We show up to church and we get our seat. Blessed. Things are just going my way. Jesus must love me. No, that Listen, Jesus loves you. But what is the Gospel? We need to start sharing Jesus Christ as the Gospel as Paul defined it. The one that walked this world sinless, who is God and man. The one who was put on a cross. Who atoned for our sins. Who was buried in a tomb. Who rose from the dead. Who resurrected. Who ascended into heaven. That's who Jesus is. This is the salvation. And this is the salvation it says here. That's for everyone. Everyone. And that salvation has made you and I righteous. It's only by faith and faith alone. The righteous shall live by faith. I'm going to ask you this morning to consider what I spoke this morning. I know this. I was very convicted as I was putting this message together on several points. And here we're going to take communion and what better time maybe the holy spirit was speaking to you this morning and maybe you find yourself just saying man I'm not living full out for Christ maybe you find yourself sitting there this morning and you're saying am i obligated to anyone you know wouldn't it be great if we come to church every Sunday and I'm here out of the obligation to you, Jacqueline. I'm obligated to you, Justin. I'm obligated to you, Mary. I'm obligated to you because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for me. Isn't it horrible? I'm obligated to you, Bob, because I took you fishing. You owe me. Isn't that horrible? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, maybe maybe for the first time the Gospel is being made real to you and maybe you've been fed something that just isn't true. Maybe you're battling and you're saying, man, I just don't feel righteous. The Gospel has the power. And whoever believes it, Paul says the foolish, the wise, The Greeks, every time I say Greeks I want to say geeks. But even the geeks and barbarians has the power to save everyone. Do you believe it? Do you believe it today? I want you to search your heart. We're going to take communion and take the Lord's Supper. So this morning what I'd like you to do is I just want you to come forward and get the emblems here, a cup and the wafer. So if you want to make your way up right now, you can do that.